Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 31-year Wall Street veterans who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unvarnished views on the air, so we've disguised our voices and they'll never know. This week, we look at the December 2nd, 2011 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, small and mid-cap edition. But before we get into that, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of important caveats. First, this show is for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, uh, this is just a hobby, hobby for the value guys. It's after hours. Uh, you know, during the week, we do a lot of really terrific research, studying financials, call transcripts. We look over, you know, some of the analyst research out there on the names. And, of course, here we're not doing any of that. Right. Uh, third, uh, our lawyer says we need to remind you that we may not have your interests in mind, and we may recommend that you do the opposite of what you should really do just to benefit ourselves. So beware of that. And then finally, um, I've been heavily drinking. We're uh, this still afternoon. we're still drinking. You're drinking too this week. Well, I'm, I'm drinking some of your drink because it well, was a double or a triple or something. Well, that's probably for the best. It makes it a better show, I think. See all our caveats, pictures, uh, comments our moms made about us at www.thevalueguys.com, and at that site you'll also have some links. One is to the iTunes. Uh, front page. One is XML that if you put it into your browser and your smartphone, up pops a nice uh, index to all five years of shows. And then finally, there's a Facebook uh, page as well where you can get a little bit of advanced look on uh, when we're doing the show and stuff like that. So um, check all that out at www.thevalueguys.com. I almost forgot a W there. So anyway, uh, it's uh, it's December second. It's uh, in full swing of the holiday season. A lot of Santa Claus fun rally. stuff We've going got a Santa on. Santa Claus rally going on. And today, and it's Thursday. Uh, we had a couple of good days this week, um, and so uh, you know we look like we're heading into the holiday season with a with kind of a happy stock market right now. It's always so good for bonuses. Good. Well, I read in the journal. Yesterday, you know, you always find this stuff out in the paper. Your your boss doesn't come and tell you. Uh, evidently, Wall Street bonuses are going to be down a lot this year. Twenty percent. Yeah, and I'm like, what? Yeah. What's up with that? And how do you how do you live on say six seven million dollars a year? I mean, I don't know. I know a lot of people are not going to be. Very I'm not in your uh, in your bracket on that one, but uh, there are going to be some uh, you know some unhappy people around Wall Street and. Uh, you know, I don't know. I guess. Uh, but you know, the good news is, the Lamborghini dealer here. Yeah. Layaway. You can now buy it can on Layaway. You? Yeah. So you know, it's uh, you 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 gotta you gotta duck and weave, and uh, you just go with the flow. I'm having to push out some vacation plans. Really? Yeah. I was thinking of heading, uh, maybe heading down to. Uh, St. Louis. Well, I'm gonna end up in Atlantic City, is where I'm going. <laughs> I was planning to go to the, you know, maybe uh, maybe the Caribbean, but it looks like. I'm just going to be heading over to Atlantic City now. Well, that's tough. Well, if we yeah. can keep the rally going, who knows? Maybe yeah. we'll get that extra 20%. Uh, I hope so. But it certainly looks like the recession's been canceled. Uh, GDP, while it was revised down, continues to, to tick along. There's some better news in retailing. We saw some 
you know, pretty nice stats out of uh, so-called Black Friday, the day everyone goes shopping, which I didn't go shopping. Housing, so whatever. housing's up. Housing's doing a little better. So, you know, it looks like it's a slow growth situation, in part because of all the fear of credit, et cetera. But in part, you know, my theory is that, um, you know, businesses just aren't going to hire until they have a better view of uh, what's coming. And right now there's a lot of excess capacity, and it's not clear what's going to be happening in terms of taxes and et cetera. So there's a lot of people sitting on a lot of cash, I think, just waiting for some kind of clear trend. And the nice thing about that for a value guy is there's not a huge rush. I mean, there was yesterday, but there's not a huge rush to buy stocks. Um, no one's in a panic buy, and you, you have a chance to do your work. And, you know, we have some names that uh, we're starting to put to work here. And, you know, we, don't, we, don't, we, we feel like we have time to do a little research. You're not in a big panic to get stuff owned because, frankly, the outlook – uh, is still murky. You so you know? think this? So you think we give up a lot of the rally? Well, I don't know. You know, I don't. Uh, I don't really. You know, to know what the stock market's going to do tomorrow or next week, I have no idea. But what I do know, we can is, say that we can say yeah. that on this show, but we can't tell our clients. No, that. I, I do actually tell our clients that. You know, hopefully they're hiring us for three, four, five-year performance, not two, three-day performance, and that's the type of investors. You know, value guys tend to be as long-term, patient investors. And as a result, you know, there's a lot of good valuations right now that you can take advantage of. It's not clear when they're going to, you know, the, the underlying value will be realized. But if you buy it right and interest rates down at the bank are not, you know, causing anyone to, you know, lose money by not being in the bank right now. So it's really a time where you can afford to own a stock, wait. We have talked on the show about yield opportunities. So if you can get a little yield to offset your uh, missed you know, coupon at the bank, what have you, that's fine. Um, but it's a, it's a good time to own stocks because your opportunity cost is pretty low, in my opinion. So um, anyway, so we have uh, this week three pretty good value ideas and then one not-so-good one. And I'm just throwing that in because it intrigued me because it looks cheap. It's probably a little bit of a fake-out. But the theme on it is is that uh, a rising tide raises all boats. No pun intended. No pun intended. So first up this week, <clears throat> in alphabetical order, Diana Shipping, ticker DSX. I mean, unless you had something else to talk about, Mo, I don't want to jump no, right this in. Is, I, you know what? <clears throat> this, is an, this is a very topical com company because you got to love it. It's a Greek company, right? It's, it's Greek it's That's a great right. company. Six hundred and fifty million market cap. Yeah, and no employees. I like that. It says zero. Value line says it has about zero, zero employees. employees. So they're just rounding. And you wonder what's wrong with this country, <laughs> right? Their unemployment rate is through the roof, and you've got mm. you've got half of their stock market's got zero employees. Well, if, if American companies could get that kind of valuation with no employees. We wouldn't hire anybody either. The Talk about a disincentive. <laughs> the productivity is amazing, though. You're doing six. You're doing 275 million in sales with about zero employees. So if you have hired two employees, you've just cut your revenue. Ruined your productivity. It's terrible. Unbelievable. And I think that's indicative of maybe the entire economy over there. Now, on the other hand, it seems like their uh, cost-cutting opportunities are going to be pretty poor because they're not really in a position to do any layoffs. That's true, that, which is why you've cut so, 67% operating yeah, margins. Yeah, so the question is, well, what do these guys do? Okay, they're a giant shipping company 
in Greece, as if that's not some type of uh, oxymoron. Uh, global provider of shipping transportation services, they basically own a fleet of 24 dry bulk carriers, of which 15 are Panamax, which I think has something to do with whether or not they can fit in the Panama Canal. So either they can or can't, but that's what they're referring to there. So check that out. I think they can. I'm going to say I think they can. And then they have one post-Panamax, which makes me think that one can't. That's what I'm thinking. Hmm. That's a big deal if you can get through there or not. And then they've got two vessels under construction. And then Value Line gives a little bit of information here that I'm not sure what to do with. But uh, their one big ship, the uh, Louis Dreyfus, no, that's the company, that's they, have the company a, yeah, yeah. they have a deal with. But they're, they're selling, here it is, the Calypso. They're renting out at, and this is way beyond what I usually pay to stay somewhere, $12,250 a day. I mean, you could get the top floor of a nice hotel for that rate. But Probably. here you get an entire ship that can carry... And they don't say the weight here, but that would be important to know. And you'd get, obviously, a you know a price per, per ton in there somewhere. And then they've got their other ship out, the Irato. Irato? <laughs> Irato. The Irato. The Irato and the Calypso. <laughs> we park them next to each other in New York Harbor. We turn it into a disco, and we charge $50,000 a day. We rent it out to people that are having Christmas parties on Wall Street. And then you film that and sell I, that as a movie. Whole I new don't... business plan, phone it anyway, into these guys. Uh, so they have these ships. Now, the stock's been plummeting. So yes, it was at 41, and that's, you know, you want to talk about that, but the, the stock's now at 790, down from 45. And I think what's happening is, you know, with the weakness in Europe, uh, it's just come out in the last few days that, you know, China's doing some stuff to slow down their economy. They're raising capital requirements for the banks. I think that there are some numbers that just turn negative year over year for China in terms of industrial shipments or weight, things that, you know, Westerners can count because I don't think you can exactly rely on the uh, Chinese data. But, you know, you can count how many ships you send into China and how many ships empty tons of steel at the dock and all that, and those numbers are turning slightly negative. So it very well could be that the outlook for shipping rates, they might be getting 12000 now. Maybe the futures on this is, is 8000 because there's a big overcapacity of, you know, of, of ships at a time when commodity prices are going down, which means demand's going down. So that's the hair on this, is there's probably a view that commodity uh, shipping prices are about to plummet and that uh, unit in demand is going to go down. And, and, of course, the thing I'd say and the reason I'm looking at it is that's always the case when you're a value guy. There's some hair on it, and you just have to work through it to find out how true it is or not. So the fact that everyone thinks that shipping is going to head south for the next 12 or 24 months, I would say that's worth looking into. This thing is selling at a... 70% discount or 65% discount to the market P.E., it's five times earnings. That's why I'm interested. Now, they do have some debt. They have $350 million in debt, which is, uh, you know, certainly more than their sales level. It's, it's about four times net income. But because of their fixed costs, uh, these guys have been, and, and some scarcity of their type of ship, I'm assuming, they've been putting up 60, 70 percent operating margins for many years, uh, although their sales, 
you know, are still below the peak. They're doing about 270 this year, down from 340 in 08, so they're below that level. But they have 10 years of earnings on this page, no losses, returns on capital, respectable in the low teens. They dip into the 20s a couple of times. They're running around 9% now. And return on equity is in the, in the teens and into the 20s at some, po at some points. And their net profit margin is always north of 40%. And, of course, that's because their asset turnover is very low. The return on capital at 9% tells you that with 70% operating margins, you have just a, you know, a little over a 10% asset turns in order to get to the level of return on capital that they have. So that's the, you know, that's the negative. But at five times earnings, I think this thing is worth some work. Go in and see what it you know, might sell at down the road. Over the last eight years, it's always sold for more than this price. And yet I noted that their sales right now are uh, nearly three times what they were six years ago at a time the stock sold at a higher price. Um, of course, it did have fewer shares. They do look like they bought something for stock a couple of years ago. Um, but this thing, I think, is worth a look. I haven't done any work on it. I've done as little as possible, but the valuation gets me going. The fact they've never lost money and the fact that uh, I do think that world economies a few years from now are apt to be better than they are right now. DSX, um, Diana Shipping. How so, often do you get to own a company where you can tell your friends, no employees? You know, there, there's something. Well, we had that. that one a few weeks ago that was one employee. If you remember, right. we phoned him up. Right. He did not answer the phone. You know, there's one thing that you didn't mention, which I'm surprised you didn't, is that the book value, if you believe that, is almost $14 a share. That's a good point. So no, I, I was looking at this saying, all right, the, the stock's been cut in half um, from 14 to, to, to 7 <clears throat> over a relatively short period of time. And... Uh, it's not going to have support from a dividend yield perspective. Uh, this stock looks cheap on a relative PE basis, but it has occasionally in the past looked e equally cheap. So what, where do you put the brakes on the downside? It may well be that book value if you believe it. On the other hand, one guy who owns the whole company, Andy's Greek, I don't know about the board, I don't know how, I don't know uh, who does the auditing of the numbers. They stopped the dividend in 2008. So I would agree with you. It has some it has some hairs on it. It's certainly enough to do a Gillette commercial. Um, but I I, uh, I don't know. The chart looks pretty. The chart looks pretty dicey. I might uh, I might take a pass on this, especially just because I'm in dividend mode in the last couple of months. And well, there is no dividend here. So we did have a couple of weeks of yield. So listen to a show from last week or two weeks ago, if yield is your uh, if you need a little yield, because we had a bunch of great ideas in the banking area, MLP area, some other things. This doesn't give you that, but what this might give you is, you know, within the last few years, the stock was uh, six times this level. Yeah. And so, you know, could get back to that. All right. Next up, stock called Electro Rent Corp, ticker ELRC. Uh, Value line ranks this number one technically and from a performance, yeah. and so, as they should. I mean, the, really? this, the stock was in February. It was seven and three quarters. It's sixteen now. So I guess even uh, you know even the brain dead can figure out that that's got. When was, good oh, in February 09. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, 
What I'm attracted to on this one, Electro-Rent, is, uh, is two things. One, there's some yield and it's sustainable. They're putting up a 60-cent dividend and they've got earnings of 99 cents. Uh, so, uh, and they've just, you know, they raised that a couple years ago, I'm assuming with the belief that it would be sustainable, but then they earned below that for two years and now they're just coming ahead of that again here in 2011, but they did not cut it. And in fact, uh, in the third quarter, they raised the quarterly dividend to an 80 cent annual rate from a 60 cent annual rate. And we talked at some length about this a few weeks ago. When you see that uh, the board raises the dividend to a level that doesn't look sustainable or doesn't look like it's fully covered, it certainly suggests that they know something because it doesn't seem uh, likely that the board is going to raise the dividend into a level that's above earnings. And so here mid-year they went to a 20 cent rate after uh, a full three and a half years at a 15 cent quarterly rate. So I take that to be good news. Um, the returns here are, uh, you know, upper to middle single digit over time. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of that. But it kind of relates to what these guys do. Uh, Electro Rent engages in the rental and lease and sale, but primarily rental and lease, of electronic equipment. They provide test and measurement equipment to companies in the aerospace, defense, electronics, and telecommunications industries for use in research and development. So the theme on that would simply be that because of what's gone on with the banks, and uh, their ability to lend and what's going on with companies' ability to borrow. As a result, renting is gaining share from buying, and this company rents. And it's lower risk, and it's more liquid. If you're renting, obviously you haven't used any capital for that. And so um, my theme is that these guys are going to be gaining share as we move through the recovery here. It's also uh, got this 5% yield, but it's also four times EBITDA. So if I take the market cap in equity, I've got 24 million shares times 15 bucks a share, call it. I'm going to add the debt, which is zero, and I'm going to subtract the cash, which is 23 bucks a share, or I'm sorry, 23 million bucks, which is a dollar a share. And uh, that gets me to an enterprise value of, uh, let's see, I didn't I didn't calculate that, about 340, about 330 million or something like that. And the EBITDA is the 38% operating margin that they show here times the 228 million in sales. So again, that's about 85 million or something like that. And, you, and that's how you get to your four times. The thing to note in Value Lines Financials is that their operating margin is actually an EBITDA margin. In normal gap accounting, depreciation would normally be out before operating income. Here, Value Line takes it out after operating income, so that's important to note. Um, they've got a, a pretty stable history of share counts, so they're not doing anything weird there. They've always made money, and uh, <clears throat> as I already said, they have no debt, 5% yield. <clears throat> and that's enough to get me to like this one, Mo. Electro rent. Ticker ELRC. I like it. There you go. Hate the name <clears throat> Electro Rent. Sounds like something out of 1967. I they, don't like it either. They got to hire a firm that crafts new names. I mean, when when the telcos all decided that they were breaking up, they all had to have like these slick new names. Yeah, a million Ver dollars a piece. Verizon. So they, right. I would, I would suggest that they change the name Telenova. <clears throat> 
Telenova. How about Telenova? Electromium. X Nova. How about something that you just don't know what it is? Ferron Corp. Yeah. You know? Verizon. Would you know Verizon was a telephone company? No. Did he, they know they were a telephone company? Well, That's they are, there's a lot, <laughs> lot to be said for that. So I don't like the name. Here's, here's what I love. And not only do I love it about this company, but I just I love it about the current business environment. This company won the 2011 Preferred Supplier Award from L3 Communication in recognition of its ethical conduct. You've got to love a company wow. that wins an award for ethical conduct. Congratulations. Does that to tell them. you that that might be a rarity? Uh, we're, we win that all. You don't win awards for, well, Val woke up this morning breathing, so we're giving you an award. No, you give awards <laughs> to people that are exceptional, that, yeah. are, that are different from the industry. Yeah. Hmm, am I supposed to read anything into that? I don't, I don't know. know. I'm looking around if I have any awards here. Well, there's some over Nothing there. Nothing for ethical They're conduct. They're buried. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to, you know, here's a company that's got an ethical award. It's got a great dividend yield. Their depreciation seems to be enough. Something happened this year. Look at that. Look at that jump in sales. One, 140, 130, 145, 228. Yeah. Big some, jump. Something's up with that. Big jump. So something happened. And what's interesting is normally when you have a big jump in sales like that and your stock's taken off, you outrun your dividend yield. You know, the dividend, you, you don't increase the dividend, and so your yield starts getting a little skinny, and people are willing to trade off some growth for some dividend. And maybe, just maybe, you've got both here, but it's something to investigate, and you know that they're ethical. They so. must have bought something, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the only answer, although the share count didn't change. Uh, the debt, the is debt is still zero. Yeah. The cash went down by about $20 million, so maybe they bought something with some cash. But it's a. Uh, yeah. say that here. You got you got a uh, two number ones from Value Line. They're ethical. Uh, I'd change the name, guys. If you're listening to this, Electro. Whoa, 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 whoa. Rent, rent, rent. Electro what? rent. I don't. Know, it sounds like George Jetson electro rented things. Yeah. But. Well. That's I just mean, me. It's uh, it's something to think about. You know, in terms of. You know what they could do. I don't know. Change the name. Electro-rent, maybe .com, something like that. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's see, where are we? I, uh, we're on our, uh, our third stock. Exciting to be rolling through these. This stock is uh, close to my heart, Mel. Close to my Close to everybody's Everyone's our heart. age. Yeah. And the reason is, is that uh, it's Cost Corp, K-O-S-S. And when I was a little kid, I remember getting my first headphones, and they were costs, and headphones were new. It's hard for some listeners to appreciate this, but when I was like in kindergarten, a friend of mine's dad put these headphones on my head. I'm like, what What are you doing to my head? He put on a record, and for those of you that don't know, it's a spinning disc that has a needle that goes into the grooves and plays music. Like a CD, yeah, but bigger. Yeah, bigger. And all of a sudden, I hear a train in my left ear, it comes right through the middle of my head, and it's leaving through my right ear. And I'm like, oh, my God, what just happened? It was my first time hearing stereo, and it was on cost headphones. So these yep. guys invented the headphone um, in that hotbed of technological advancement. The analog uh, world. Yeah, they, in, uh, well, the tech center of... Uh, of technology at that time, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. They do so much up there. They Thank do. you, Milwaukee. Uh, but they do have costs, and uh, <clears throat> Harley Davidson 
is up so there. So you can wear your headphones while you ride. What else your do you need? I mean, it's sort of a lifestyle. Beer. Town. They have beer, motorcycles, and headphones. What else do you need? Those are the three principal yeah, food groups. Big things. So, uh, what am I attracted to here? Well, again, it's you know the nostalgia. It's factor. the nostalgia, but mm -hmm. that's probably not the number one reason to buy a stock, unless they have a really nice looking, you know, stock certificate with like some yeah Disney. A, yeah, right. or a drawing. Maybe they have a drawing of the original pair of headphones or something like that. You know, I don't know. But um, no, that's not why. I'm interested because of the yield, 4.7%, mm -hmm. and that looks uh, sustainable. The dividend's $0.24 cents a share, and the earnings this year are estimated at $0.59, cents, so that's pretty good. And the earnings on this page are always higher than $0.24, cents, except in 2010. Now, here's the thing. The stock's nine times earnings which is cheaper than it ever gets. It's, it's, it's near the low of the last 10 years. The company, and again, I'm just reading Value Line, and then I clicked on a couple things here on my screen, but they evidently had some problems with uh, the SEC and the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, which is really about the ethical conduct of management and you know, not misleading anyone and all that. Well, evidently, they had a little of that because their CFO, evidently, was embezzling and stealing money from the company, and that uh, evidently led to earnings being overstated, and that evidently led to the CEO, Mr. Michael Koss, uh, for taking a bonus that was too big because the bonus was supposedly based on earnings, and the earnings were overstated because of this embezzlement. So you can understand why there'd be some hair on the stock, but it looks like that's all settled as of the end of October. Well, here it is, December 2nd, and uh, that stuff's in the past, and yet the valuation is in the present, not in the past. And on an enterprise value to EBITDA basis, it's seven times, and I like to look at the inverse, uh, which includes $3 million in debt, by the way, which is not a lot. Uh, the inverse of 6.9 is about... 14%. I'm going to I actually do have a calculator. Long-time listeners know that I don't generally have one. But I have one right now. That's a 14.5% uh return if I took EBITDA over enterprise value. That in effect is the return if we all got our money together and bought this company, it would only take let's see 7 million shares times 5, that's 35 million plus the debt. 38 million. So for and they have no cash. So for 38 million, we would own the rights to the cash flow with this company. I'm going to call that EBITDA, and that would be a 14 percent, 14 and a half percent return on our cash in a world where you're getting two or three at the bank. So to me, that's a real um, anchor uh, to the stock price and the, and the underlying intrinsic value of the company is ultimately the rate. Uh, that you can earn by uh, owning the company's cash flows. Um, the other elements here to know are they've run a clean business. They've got 20% returns going all the way back. Um, they were a little below that in 08 and 09 because of the economy, and then in 2010 they have a big NMF because of that embezzlement. The margins here historically are pretty good. They run in the mid to, mid to upper teens. Looks like they're going to be there for 2011. The share count is absolutely stable, so they're not issuing shares and doing stupid things, and their debt, as I said, is very low. So um, the other element to this thing, in addition to just the potential for evaluation adjustment as a result of these bad, you know, embezzlement 
things being behind us, um, is that you know there's a lot more devices. So when you look at smartphones, all can use headphones. Tablets, all can use headphones. And so as the uh, primary computer for people migrates from being a desktop or a laptop, which generally may not have headphones, to tablets and smartphones, which almost always have headphones, um, I think there's a little bit of an opportunity for the headphone market to grow. And, uh, and I think that costs, as one of the originals in the space, is going to participate in that. So that's my basic story, Mo. It's nine times earnings, nearly 5% yield, costs, KOSS. I like that one. Yeah, I like it too. And, you know, one of the things you, you, you uh, mentioned was owning the cash flows. And so here's a sort of rhetorical question. Back in the day, we'd look at a company like this and say, this is a classic LBO candidate. So let's LBO say... LBO candidate, right. <clears throat> you know what? This is, a, this is a company with $35 million market cap. The stock's gone nothing for years. It's a family company. They don't need to be public. They're not accessing the capital markets. They don't have any debt. They're not doing any share offerings. So I say we take these guys private at $9 a share, give the shareholders a nice, you know, a nice little upside figure that would, would, have, to, would have to come up with $66 million in cash to take these guys private, 5% rate, which would probably be at the upper end of what would, would borrow at. So we got three and a half, three point three, some odd million in interest expense every right. year. We got $5 million in cash flow. Right. We own the company. Right. Yeah. Well, I can come up with a million. Yeah. So, listeners, here's what I think we should do. I'll throw in. I'll S kick in. Send us your ideas. Maybe if we can get 30 people out there to come up with $1 million in cash, we can start the Value Guys each. buyout fund each. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we buy these guys. Or if 10 friends want to get together. And, and I, don't, I don't even know if we need to offer $9 a share. I mean, we still, first of all, we buy up to the 5% level before we have to file. Right. And we do that secretly. <clears throat> we secretly. could be doing that so, right now. Uh, exactly. We could even, we could even badmouth the, the stock on the next show, drive it down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. That costs. They stink. Things like that. Yeah. Bring the stock do down. That. Buy it cheaper. But, uh, yeah, you know, in the old days, we looked at companies like this. The same thing is true with Electro, right? And here's a company that's trading its half a book. That's what was great about the, the back in the day with Gordon Gecko. Stocks couldn't get that cheap because their breakup value well, became so attractive. It was cash flow divided by the uh, interest rate at the bank. Exactly. You know, so why divided not? by the coverage, which was one. Right. So you were, you know, that was the LBO formula. But even here, when you, you look at this and you say it's a, it's a, it's a family company, that's what we, we make. You know what? I think we're flying in Milwaukee. Listeners, start. Maybe getting, we might have listeners in Milwaukee. Rev your checkbooks. What if the listeners went to Milwaukee? Yeah. Did a little research. Yeah. Or posed as buyers. Well, email us. Tell us it. what you think because I think this would be a great LBO candidate. The, de the balance sheet could certainly support the debt. The cash flow could support, could support the debt. Um, now, right. I just want to say something here. This is all for entertainment purposes only. We're drunk, and we don't know what we're talking about. Hell, we are. We Mr. are serious. SEC. We're, we're taking yeah. this company over. Well, we could. We could. But I just want to remind the won't. listeners that we might just be making that up, too, just in case. You know, you know what I'm true. saying. Yeah. yeah. Next. Okay. Finally, uh, Matrix Service Company, ticker M. T R X. Great name. Don't have a page number. 
What do I like about this? Well, there's no dividend yield, and I'm sure some listeners are sick of hearing me talk about dividend yield. So this has zero, if that's a good number. <coughs> it's 13 times earnings. It's trading at uh, a 15% discount to the market. Um, what do they do that gets me interested? Well, the reason I would have any interest in this is the valuation is cheap. It's not super cheap, but it's cheap enough to wait, okay? And then what they do is they provide construction, which is obviously not doing well, and repair and maintenance services, primarily to the energy and energy-related industries. Well, I know a couple things. One is one of the best growth areas in America right now is energy. Uh, energy prices are moving around. They're most recently up a bit. They're certainly well above where they were five or ten years ago. Energy use is going to be with us for a long time, and uh, these guys are doing maintenance. So in a time when people aren't particularly adding to capacity, um, you know, the slow growth around the world means that we don't need to add a lot of new capacity. That means that maintenance is gaining share of capital spending because while you're not adding capacity, you better make sure that your old capacity uh, remains to you know being capacity, and you, so you need to do a lot of stuff to keep it in good shape. They probably do things like galvanizing and you know rust removal. Who knows above ground storage tank repair, um, things like that to prevent accidents and things. So I think repair and maintenance is a pretty solid annuity. And what I want to say about that: these guys are twelve times earnings. Now the long bond yields about what three percent. If. Okay. 3%, ladies and gentlemen, mean that thing's selling at 33 times pre-tax earnings because you get your coupon, it's the yield, and if it's a 3% yield, it means your principal is 33 times that number. So let's say for a minute that annuities that you can count on are worth 33 times pre-tax because that's what that coupon is selling at. Well, I'm going to submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that at least a third of this company's business is in maintenance, in energy. Now, do we need energy? Do we need maintenance on energy? Yes and yes. And so it could be very well that if we put a 30 multiple on the annuity of maintenance, we're getting the whole part of the business that sells stuff that's not maintenance. For free. For free. And I like that very much. They have no debt. They sell it five times EBITDA, and again, using the same analysis we did a minute ago, five times EBITDA means if we bought this company, we would be enjoying 20% cash-on-cash returns, and who doesn't like that? So there's some type of you know, discipline to the price because ultimately some smart, rich people are going to decide they like 20%, and so I like that. I'd also note that the earnings have been on a recent ramp. Again, it might not be sustainable, but it very well might be. So it's worth a little work, but each of the last couple quarters is up uh, more than 20% versus a year ago. And so if that trend continues, uh, that's a nice deal. Uh, they do have a little bit over a dollar a share in cash, no debt, so $9 stock price, you know, a, a, a buck of that is cash. And, uh, and you, get, you get no yield, but you get a little bit of a play on energy. It's cheap right now. Uh, it's very stable. They've uh, 
they haven't lost money uh, in the last number of years. They had a little challenge back in 05, but uh, it looks like it quite likely was some type of uh, divestiture that led to some losses because there's a big spike in one year of 04. But you've got to go back and look at that. But other than that, the last five years, very clean, very stable earnings, stable profitability, and uh, I think a very attractive valuation matrix service company ticker MTRX. How about that, Mo? I like it. And you just mentioned long term. And here's what I, I did. I, I printed out the uh, long, long term since 1995, long term chart. Yeah. And uh, this is what I know from our technical analysis analyst here in the shop. You, this is very complicated stuff. But you see what I did? I took a ruler. Y'all is know that a straight line? That is a straight line. How, take a, that's amazing. Take a ruler. Yeah. Let me see. I have the, the tools of the trade, and then you. Where is my ruler? You I, I borrow it here. Oh, here it is. So you take that okay. ruler, and then you connect the lowest point on that chart, long-term chart, uh -huh. and you see, mm -hmm. or the low, or each time it goes to the bottom of that line. Yeah. And what you can see is that from 2000, it's had a little run up to the 30s, and then back down to this line. Then another run up to the 30s, back down to this line. Huh. And, we're, and that's what they call support. Really? That's I, so, you, I have a different term for support. So these support. guys, these guys get a can I, you can get a degree in this. Really? Ruler. Ruler. Ruler uh, rising. Stop. <laughs> rulerology. I mean, you get a CFA. That's years of destroyed springs because that's when they hold the exam. I do have a CFA. I can see it. It's like about. Yeah, it's on my wall. It's, at, it's the only degree that's uh, four and a half feet by four and a half. It's feet. kind of a low number too. Early number. Four digits. Yeah. Yeah. But, but nonetheless, now. these guys still get a degree in this, but you can do that. And the point is that when you look at this on a long-term basis, you take out your, your ruler, this looks like it's hitting a, you know, co close to a 10, 11-year trend and as, as a bottom. So uh, despite the fact that it's had a tough, a tough last half a year, I mean, the stock's going from 14 in July to 9. Yeah. Um. The long-term technical trend, and the only the only thing I can tell you about my technical analysis is, I own a ruler. Well, and you uh, you were able to connect all those uh, connect, connect, lines, connect the dots. Put you yeah. take your ruler out, and you uh, you guys tell me what you think. But it, to me, it looks like it's a it's a pretty attractive, purely from a technical basis, which is why I'm surprised that value line only has got these as three. I would rate these as a value guys one. Oh, because amount. of the. The uh, mo momentum. The mo momentum. Yeah, I don't look at that at all. I know. I know. But I, uh, I think that's uh, that's certainly interesting. Uh, so anyway, uh, you have a favorite this week, Mo? Yeah, I'm going to go with Koss. I like Koss. it. I think it's an LBO candidate. And uh, who knows if our uh, if our listeners can cough up some cash? I think we might have a pretty exciting story here. Plus, I like the fact that the uh, the headphones are coming back. You can't walk around the city. You know what I'm curious about? about? Yep. I'm curious what Phil thinks about this one. Phil. Phil. I don't want to say any more than that. He knows who he is. But he's very insightful about these kinds of things. Well, Phil, if you have a million dollars, you're in the club. He, he's not. He's an artist, and his wife's an artist as well. And so, you know, this these headphones are used to convey art. They're not art. But they convey They're the mediums, art. For the, art. and so I'm. So, so, uh, and and Phil's also the the, the father of the uh, each week's favorite. He was the one that had the idea of 
given the favorite. So, Phil, very let us know what you think. So, I was going to use cost this week, too, as a favorite. Uh-oh. But you did. Well, you know, we're allowed to agree. I am going to agree with you this week. I'm going to go with the cost as well. Whoa. KOSS, don't have the page numbers. So, um, so I guess that's another week of uh, just wasted time for everybody. But thanks for listening in. Um, you can see all of our shows uh, through a button on the website, www.thevalueguys.com. And if you drop that XML code into your browser, it gives you access to all the shows indexed by ticker. And so you can find your favorite stock and listen to it. And uh, I guess that's all I have. www.thevalueguys. Everybody go check it out. Thanks for listening. See you next week.